Mental illness is something a lot of us are reluctant to talk about. That's due in large part to the many misconceptions about mental illness, which can lead to a wide variety of problems, from discrimination at work to difficulty finding housing. Take it from actress Glenn Close, whose family is touched by mental illness. In the most basic level for quality of life, people need a home, a job, and a friend. Historically speaking, people with mental illness have lacked all three. That has to change because I think it becomes a matter of, of you know, human rights. Good morning. I'm George Polarki, and this is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Glenn Close co-founded an organization called Bring Change to Mind. The group works to address misconceptions about mental illness. Close formed the organization with her sister, Jessie Close, who's diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Jessie's son, Kaylin Pick, is diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder. I recently talked with Glenn, Jessie, and Kaylin about their work confronting the stigma surrounding mental illness. Glenn, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. You're very welcome. Jessie, good morning to you. Good morning. Kaylin, good morning. Good morning. How long of a road has it been for you to get to this point where you're in a radio studio talking about your family's history with mental illness? Jesse? It's been a very long road. Um, I, I wasn't uh, properly diagnosed till I was 51, so all those years of struggling, uh, not properly medicated, and now I'm golden. I'm, um, I get very good care, and I take the right medication, and I'm able to function just like anybody else. And your diagnosis is what specifically? Specifically uh, bipolar 1 with psychotic tendencies. That's a long time to go without a diagnosis. Yeah. Did you know something was wrong? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the depressions were just brutal, and I always did something silly when I was manic, like um, I would trade in cars and I've had five husbands and my daughter counted up how many times we we moved eight times in 12 years. And so every time I'd get manic, oh, let's get, go get this house now. And, you know, it's just... Caitlin, did you mm. notice anything wrong with mom while you were growing up? Um... No, I didn't. I mean, we 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 bickered and fighted, you know, fought uh, quite a bit. But you know, being a, a younger kid, I had really no concept of what she was what she was going through, and I didn't until I was older, and probably in, until I was uh, experiencing some psych- psychiatric problems as well. Now you've been diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder. That's right. How old were you when you were diagnosed? I was diagnosed with that uh, when I was nineteen. But I had experienced um, uh, issues or um, symptoms, um, you know, probably for about three years before that. Jesse, did you recognize the symptoms in Kalen? Not right away because uh, he has a, a different diagnosis. I knew something was wrong. And I think also being his mother, I didn't want to see what was really mm-hmm. wrong. So I didn't really see it until he was very far into the illness, Mm -hmm. and his behavior was um, pretty off the wall. Give me an example of off Um, the wall. He would sit on the couch with his elbows on his knees and just rock and rock and rock, and his eyes 
were his pupils were huge, um, which I didn't know at the time if that was it's a symptom of your brain just going full bore. Huh? Haywire. Yeah. yeah. Full bore. And <clears throat> we were living in town at the time, and um, he ne- he didn't tell me this, but a friend of mine really saw him for what was happening, and um, he, he he would think that the people walking past the house were uh, CIA and keeping track of him. Um, mm-hmm. The antenna on the roof was specifically to keep track of him. Now, Kaylin, you were diagnosed then before your mom with um, mental illness. Our, our final diagnosis, yes. Yeah, I, I had been uh, diagnosed with my final diagnosis before my mom was given hers. Glenn, how aware were you that your sister and your nephew were living with mental illness? Not very. And looking back, it's one of the things that I'm just most distressed about. Our family was quite spread out, just, you know, that's that's a whole other story. But um, You had, I guess I can say, an untraditional upbringing, right? Yeah, yeah. So no one was necessarily watching over the two of you. I should say the four of you. There are four siblings that closely. No, not really on a regular basis. No. So do you think that in part had something to do with the fact that Jesse went so long without anyone really recognizing that there might be mental illness? I I don't know. Everybody was aware of her behavior. But the thing that <laughs> is remarkable to me or just unbelievable to me is that no one thought that it might be some sort of, of mental disorder, mental illness. And, you know, our dad was a brilliant doctor. Uh, It just, you know, there's kind of a traditional feud, if that's, I don't know if that's the right word, but I, uh, the medical profession, I think for many years kind of looked down on, uh, I get the the impression that they kind of looked down on psychiatry and everything. It just wasn't done in our family in that, you know, uh, it wasn't talked about. It wasn't, you didn't go to a psychiatrist. And, um, Dad was like, he was um, pretty clueless when it came to to mental illness, as probably a lot of surgeons are, because it's a completely different end of the spectrum, you know, as as far as mental illness is concerned. Is that something you're advocating for, Glenn, that doctors get more training to recognize the signs of mental illness? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think anybody who's advocating in the area of mental health feels the same way. There's just not enough people with training to go around. And um, I think it should be, I think, I think your checkup should include your head, you know, it, it should include, it should include your brain. And, you know, every, everybody knows that early intervention is incredibly important. And the earlier the intervention, the better the outcome and the more probable the recovery. So I think we need that support across the country um, for medical schools. Do you think about that, Jesse? How much more productive perhaps your life would have been if uh, you were diagnosed much earlier? I went through a, a long period of mourning when I finally had the right medication and, and I was feeling like I could do anything in the world. Um, yeah, it, um, there are many, many things I wish I could. I could have done or stuck to or but it just wasn't in the cards. Talking about medication, how long did it take to get the right 
medication? Because I know medication can be very tricky with mental illness. Quite a while. Um, quite a while. I, de- I developed an allergy to one of them. Um, two. Two of them, actually. Um, and that was that was scary and had to be dealt with immediately. And um, unfortunately, I'm not able to, because of the allergy, I'm not able to take some of the more modern medications, um, which is too bad because I was on one medication that I that I uh, developed an allergy for, and I felt so normal. Um, I had to keep pinching myself almost. Um, I, I, I have a problem with, it's hard for me to just get up, grab the keys and get in, get in my truck and go. You know, I, um, I, I had a, a long period of being afraid to leave my house because of psychosis. There was something out there and this one medication, um, I could just grab my keys and jump in the truck. Um, so I had to give that up for a while, but I'm 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 getting better. I know there was a time that you were afraid to get into the shower, and Glenn, I know that you fielded that phone call from Jesse. Oh, I remember that really well. Yeah, Jess was afraid to get into the shower, and um, afraid to go upstairs. Yeah, and so I literally talked her, and I said, "Make sure are the dogs with you? Mm-hmm. You know, make sure the dogs are with you, and you know, if you get scared, just come come back out, and they'll be there." and you know, it was uh, it was quite something. It was step by step. Only able to do it because you had a cell phone. Yeah. Kaylin, how long of a process was it for you to get the right medication to start feeling better? Um, it took me probably seven years. Wow. Something like that. Before I really started to not feel side effects um, and reap some of the benefits of the of the medication, you know. So after you learned that Jesse and Kaylin had mental illness, Glenn, did you start to question the behavior of other people in your family, even those who you were around while you were growing up? Um, yes. I mean, you. we've since learned um, how riddled our family is with serious depression, with um, probably you know, schizophrenia. Um, and our grandmother, my my mom's mom, was probably serious, seriously depressed. And I remember being little and hearing that she had been at Silver Hill, which is a psychiatric hospital in Connecticut, and and she was saying how good the food was. So I thought it was a spa. <laughs> <laughs> so for Silver Hill, lovely. Sounds nice. <laughs> Sounds nice. But, you know, my mom, Silver, we just yeah. were visiting my mom. She's now 89, and she, there are so many people. She said, well, he drank himself to death. He drank himself to death. He, he uh, you know, um, my her half-brother um, shot himself. Uh, so there's a lot of suicide and depression, a lot of drinking, which in the, you know, in, in that yes. society is cocktails and, yeah. uh, you know. And so I think it, it goes undetected. It's certainly un, untalked about. Mm. But, yes, we have discovered. Snitz wants a little attention. <laughs> She's Keep making her noise. awake. <laughs> so tell us about Snitz. <laughs> Snitz. She works for me as a service, do- as an emotional support dog, um, because when she gets nervous, I get to comfort her. Mm. Um, 
which takes my mind off myself. But in situations like this, she's obviously very relaxed and snoring. <laughs> she's pretty amazing. I mean, when we're at home in Montana, she she hunts and swims in the creek and but when she's working she's working so she really helps me a lot she's getting a break now though yeah (laughs) (laughs) you're tuned to cityscape on 90.7 fm and wfuv.org i'm george bodarkey on this morning's show, I'm talking with actress Glenn Close. She co-founded a national organization that works to combat the stigma and discrimination surrounding mental illness. She's joined by her sister, Jessie Close, who's diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and Jessie's son, Kaylin Pick, who has schizoaffective disorder. How long did it take you, Jessie, to tell Glenn that you had bipolar disorder? Was that an easy conversation? Not long. Um, when I was 47, I think. Glenn met me in Salt Lake. Uh, my dad uh, had a psychiatrist and a neurologist um, made appointments with them, and because I I knew there was something just horribly wrong, um, and they diagnosed me bipolar one, um, but there weren't the little subheadings that as far as medication is concerned really helped. I was convinced that those doctors and my father were trying to poison me, which gives a good example of where my head was at. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I discovered that it took fewer drinks to get drunk when I was on the medication. I I wasn't respectful of my illness yet. I didn't I I used to love staying up late at night and drawing or writing and um it took me years to be okay with going to sleep at a decent hour and um my medications allow that I'm sure if I was on my own I'd still be staying up late but um it's just it's it's just been a long process I don't know if Dad thought I had a brain tumor or something. I had terrible migraines back then. And um remember uh, you remember that, Kay? Yeah, I remember your migraines. Yeah. I don't have them anymore. So the medication must be working. Could have been well, stress I know or something too, you know. I mean. Well, I had I was a single mom and I had two little boys and a baby daughter and I was running a coffee shop and a magazine stand. So <laughs> yeah. How does your mental illness, Jesse, impact the way you view yourself as a mother looking back? There was a lot of shame there. A lot of shame that I work on a lot. Why um, shame? Um, because my daughter is 10 years younger than Kaylin, so she really got the brunt of my illness. And um as I said, it was hard for me to leave the house, so sometimes we'd be down to a um, a can of soup, and um, it was unbelievably difficult to get in the car and go get food. Um, and you know, she she had to live through that. She had to live through the worst of my alcoholism. Um, I'm now 12 years sober, thank God, and. Uh, 
Maddie is her name, and whenever I'd go out to a restaurant after I started going to AA and started getting clean, um, well, I got clean. You don't start getting clean. You just get clean. Um, She would very surreptitiously pick up whatever I was drinking and take a little sip to make sure it wasn't alcohol. Mm. And she told a friend of mine, um, she said, well, I think she's probably eight or nine. Well, when mommy has one drink, we go home. But if she has more than one drink, we sleep on the couch at whatever house we're at. I was like, oh, my God. Mm. I mean, those are those are things that I'll carry to my grave. So fair to say when you live with mental illness, you are in a way fighting your own stigma, stigma mm-hmm. that you're putting on yourself. Very much so. Yeah. Kaylin, do you feel that way? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, you know, I think I think stigma in general, you know, societal stigma results in, in personal and self-stigma. You know, self-stigma is, is much more damaging than societal stigma. Have you faced stigma from society? Um, not a whole lot, actually, as far as I as I know, um, there was one time when I was taking a class at a uh, uh, college um, where I live, and I thought it would be a good idea to explain to my professor what was going on with me. So I took the, the liberty of, of asking him to speak privately. Uh, I said, I just wanted you to know that I'm living with a mental illness, and I'm only telling you because I just want you to maybe know me a little bit better. And he looked right at me and said, why are you telling me this? And kind of, you know, walked away. Mm. And I mean, that doesn't happen a whole lot, but when it does, it's it's pretty, you know, it's, it's pretty shocking, I have hurtful. to say. Yeah, hurtful. hurtful. But what about I mean, when uh, you first came back with your friends? That was... Oh, well, right. Um, my group of friends that I, that I developed... Um, up until I was 16 or 17, you know, and there were people that I th- I thought were my friends. Um, they all pretty much pushed me outside of our group of friends, um, and that was that. I guess you realize who your true friends are in situations like yeah, that, don't you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I don't know, I, we were 16 and 17, and I, I don't expect people of that age to really comprehend or have that sort of insight into maybe someone else's mind and uh, accept um, what I was going through. So in retrospect, I don't, I don't hold any grudges. I mean, to say that, but I, it, it, it was hurtful and it was just another, another element of uh, something to, to hurt my own self image, I, uh, my, my own self, esteem. my self-esteem. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Glenn, you co-founded an organization called Bring Change to Mind to help break the stereotypes about mental illness. How did that all come about? What came first, the diagnoses in your family or the organization? The diagnoses in my family. And um, when Jesse had initially been diagnosed and not completely diagnosed, um, we were at again at our parents' house, and you and Jess came up to me and said. Um, I need help because I can't stop thinking about killing myself. Mm. And so that was 
was straight you know, because McLean had helped uh, Kaylin so much. Um, that's where I took Jess, checked her in, and you were there for five months or something like that. No, just five weeks. Oh, five weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was then that you know she was properly diagnosed. Um, you know, there's so many incredible nonprofits. Um, and and you get a lot of requests, you know, to show up. And, and I have friends whose who's nonprofits I respect, and I try to show up for them. But it all of a sudden came very, very clear that right under my nose was something that, that um, affects not only my family but millions of other families and that the best way I could use my celebrity was to focus on the issue of stigma, discrimination, but only if – my sister and my nephew would have the courage to come out um, as living with mental illness because it's not about me. I, I, you know, they they have had an amazing amount of self determination, which is you need to have that if change is going to happen because people need to hear people's stories. And they, I made the phone call and I said, "Would you be willing to out yourself?" Uh, as living with mental illness in a national campaign. And both of them said, without hesitation, not even, I'll get back to you tomorrow, mm. it was yes. Mm-hmm. Glenn, how have you seen stigma impact the lives of people living with mental illness? Well, I read something very recently written by wonderful Norman Sartorius and some of the other of our scientific advisors. Norman's like a global um, guru or with the stigma and it said that in the most basic level for quality of life people need a home a job and a friend Mm -hmm. historically speaking people with mental illness have lacked all three and I think that has to change because I think it becomes a matter of of, human rights and I think we need to change the laws in our in our country because I think sometimes the laws have to come before the changes in attitude and behavior. But it's, to me, a huge human right question that everybody uh, should have the right to a home, to a job, and to a friend. And I think stigma uh, keeps a lot of people from seeking help that will make them uh, well enough in order to have a job and be able to articulate what's happening to them so that their friends will understand and they'll have friends and then have the wherewithal, hopefully, to establish a home. Kaylin has done mm-hmm. all, all three, I have to say. Um, For the most part. You, yeah, well, you're, uh, you're working on it. You've a, got a wonderful home. And and a, and a, but a but and I th- a, yep. yep. So I think, I think that stigma is, is right at the core of, of what needs to be changed um, but I think we also hopefully need to have um, a lot of pressure put on our government to uh, change the laws and to put money uh, where it's needed as far as uh, early intervention and um, care on a on a community basis. A few years ago, your organization, Bring Change to Mind, filmed a public service announcement in Grand Central Terminal to help us to understand that we're all sort of affected by mental illness, and likely we know someone, if we're not personally affected, we know someone who is affected by mental illness. You just recently shot a new public service announcement. Tell us about that. 
It's called schizo. Schizo. <laughs> we went straight to the <laughs> cut to the chase. You're putting it right out there. Because schizophrenia is the scariest word. Yeah. And uh, we're in partnership with Time to Change in England, and they were generous enough to let us use their graphics and actually the idea. And we we also want to pioneer uh, testing for efficacy and so that we have a scientific base for where we can say things are shifting, the needle is, is moving a little bit. Um, and so we took this, we tested it out of the University of Indiana. It tested very even higher than England, and we said, well, let's, let's make our own. So again, it was using the face of our family, um, and this time Kaylin is front and center, and uh, hopefully it will uh, have a surprise factor to it. Um, but it basically is start the conversation and start it within your family because you need family and friends in order to live a full life. By using the word schizo, are you, in a sense, taking that word back? Because that could be a derogatory term if used in a certain way. Absolutely. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's playing into people's expectations and then, and then turning, turning the tables. Language plays a big role in stigma, doesn't it, Glenn? Yes, absolutely. I, you know, as an actress, I believe in the power of words. And I've always believed from the very beginning of Bring Change to Mind that if you say a word uh, often enough and you have the courage, like my, like Jesse and Kaylin, to say it out loud, that it will lose its power over you. And, um, and so when people come up to me in public and say, I have. I usually say, "What, what, what is, what do you have?" You know, so that they can say it out loud, whether mm-hmm. it's bipolar disorder, or <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and someday maybe they won't have to whisper it like they used to whisper cancer, or yeah. you know, Diabetes. someday people will. I, I just know I, we will reach the tipping point. We will. It's, there are too many of us affected. Mm-hmm. You've played characters in your career, Glenn, characters who were living with mental illness. Did you see that when you were playing those roles? Let's take Alex, Alex Forrest, for instance, in Fatal Attraction. That's another astounding thing. Um, I actually, um, in my research, and I did more research for that part than I, I think practically any part, um, I wanted to know if her behavior was possible. And then I wanted to know if it was possible, why? And I gave the script to two different psychiatrists, and this is in the 80s. None of them came up with a possible mental disorder. Mm. It didn't even come into the conversation. And so it wasn't even in my consciousness. Funnily enough, though, uh, people have since told me that it's, you know, very real behavior. Um, Potentially borderline personality. For, yeah, I've, I've, I've heard from people with, with borderline personality. It's not, it's not great for them to, you know, be said we're like <laughs> Alex Forrest. It's an extreme example. Mm-hmm. But but that's yeah. Um, How that, much does that character perpetuate a stereotype about mental illness? I think it totally perpetuates the stereotype. She's violent, and even though nothing is articulated, there are aspects of her that are terribly frightening. And um, yeah, I mean, she tries to to kill somebody, and so that's. But the original story, she did herself in which is more truthful, but anyway, that was changed. I think it was made a psychopath. But um, so that, there you have it. In order to 
please and get and I don't think the movie would have been as big a hit if it was if I wasn't turned into a psychopath mm-hmm. and that says something about how mental illness has been used how much does Hollywood need to change its ways in how they portray people with mental illness because typically on the big screen they're violent people yeah and we know, and you that's know not I mean, the, the, case. The, the truth is that there are more there are more people who certainly have violence with with guns that that far more far more than people with mental illness. So I think I look at a script and I say this is irresponsible and it's immoral because it's not the truth and it's going to hurt people's lives. It's going to perpetuate a toxic kind of stigma. And I personally do not believe that those kinds of films should be made. I think I think because of our media, it's like every day our whole nervous system, our collective nervous system is pumped with... It either good violence. things or bad things, but we have so much violence and so much negative thought that I just personally, I don't want to be a part of it. And um, and I think there are plenty of great stories. In fact, challenge yourself. Think of a story, you know, that has a great dramatic effect that doesn't say, oh, we'll just make them mentally ill. That's an easy way to make them violent. How about this story? The close story. Huh? <laughs> Jesse's writing. She's writing a memoir, right? Oh, yeah. Jesse, you're writing a memoir. Yeah, I am. To be titled? Resilience is the working title right now. Resilience. And expected out in 2015, right? Yeah. January. If you want to sign a pledge to combat the stigma of mental illness, you can do that, right, Glenn, on your website? Absolutely. Bringchangetomind.org. Glenn, thank you so much. Thank you. Jesse, thank you. Thank you. Kaylin, thank you. Thank you very much. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. Next month, WFUV will devote even more attention to mental illness and the stigma attached to it as part of our Strike Accord initiative. The campaign will feature public service announcements as well as news and public affairs programming devoted to the issue. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to senior producer Morlane Chin and producer Julie Clark. Have a great weekend.